Unity of Farmington Hills, a powerful path for spiritual living.
never runs out on me. Your love. Good morning, Unity of Farmington Hills. So good to see you all. I'm Donna Opoka, and I'll share the announcements with you today. Please join us for fellowship after service for light refreshments. It's always good to keep the party going. And today at 12 o'clock is our volunteer training and appreciation meeting in, down in the social hall for all the greeters, ushers, the kitchen team, and stewards and anyone else interested. So if you've been thinking you want to get a little bit more involved and you're not sure where to do it, this is the meeting for you. Come and join a team. The Veterans Peer Support Group meets next Sunday at 12 o'clock downstairs in room nine, led by Charmaine Pearson. In this group, veterans encourage and uplift each other in a loving and spiritually supportive environment. Please come, all veterans are invited and those that support veterans. And invite any veterans you know. Please remember to renew your membership on our website so that, you can up, so that we can update our church records and Reverend Kelly will have a good count to give for her annual uh, report, report that she needs to put in. All you have to do is go to unityfh.com, click on About Us, and then click on the membership form. Our annual meeting and budget approval is on February 19th at 11.30 in the social hall and also on Zoom. You must uh, be a member to vote, so you need to fill out that membership form by February 17th. And the, if, you, if you can't make it in person, the Zoom link will be on the website. Reverend Kelly's next class the Celestine Prophecy is February 21st through March 28th, every Tuesday from 6.30 p.m. to 8.45 p.m. on Zoom. This class examines nine spiritual insights that unfold in consciousness to enhance our spiritual awareness. The book, The Celestine Prophecy by James Redfield is required, and you can purchase it at Amazon.com and I think there might be a couple copies in our library. To sign up for the class, please email Reverend Kelly at seniorminister at unityfh.com. Licensed Unity teachers Sharon Lewis from Unity of Farmington Hills and Mary Wackrow from Unity of Royal Oak will be facilitating a five-week prayer chaplain training via Zoom on Saturdays, March 11th and 18th, and April 15th and 29th and May 7th from 10 a.m. to 12 noon. There is a $45 fee for the manual and prayer handbook. For, in, for more information or to participate and pay for the class, please see Sharon Lewis or Reverend Kelly. Eileen Lindbergh is our prayer chaplain for today. She will be available to pray with you after service in the sanctuary near the back doors. To stay aware of all that's going on at Unity of, of Farmington Hills, please visit unityfh.com. Check out our Facebook page. 
or read through our weekly newsletter, which is emailed out every Friday. And now, as, we, as the music team sings Surely the Presence, let us prepare our hearts and our minds to hear the daily word and for our opening prayer and meditation. for the reading of the daily word so I invite you if you'd like to gently close your eyes so you can breathe it in take it in deeply Sunday January 29th 2023 prosperity today we affirm I broaden my perspective of prosperity and the message reads when I think of prosperity I may think of financial wealth or my possessions I may even feel tempted to compare my life to someone else's and feel as though I come up short in comparison. Today my understanding of prosperity grows. Feeling safe and secure in who I am is, is prosperity. Knowing I am, knowing I am gloriously made in the image of God is priceless. Realizing the abundance of the natural world and partaking of it is a gift. All of these are wonderful reminders. I reside in the kingdom of heaven. The more I appreciate the riches of the material world, the more aware I am of my greatest prosperity, my oneness with God. And today's scripture comes from Matthew 6, verse 26. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into, into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? Let us pray. So with your eyes gently closed, take a slow, deep breath, and exhale slowly. Let your consciousness float down into the center of your chest. Let your mind float into a state of freeness and clearness, releasing all the thoughts of the day. Just move into this now moment. Let your heart be open, radiating a sense of love and peace. And in this space, God, we tune into your power and your presence. 
thanking you for blessing us in this now moment, knowing that you are that power and that presence, that only activity that is active in our lives, in our minds, in our bodies, in all of the universe. We tap into that knowing right now. We tap into your presence. We tap into your power. We surrender every, sing every single thing that concerns us, every single person that concerns us, every single situation that concerns us is surrendered and placed on your altar right now, knowing that that is the most powerful way to handle any situation is to seek you first and your ways and the experience of the kingdom of heaven. So we thank you for preparing us for today's message, for growing us in today's message, and for moving us into more powerful expressions of your word. We are activated right now. We are purified right now. We are sanctified and created more new right now. Our minds activate in the consciousness of our highest and greatest good. And as we sit in that knowing just for a minute, our minds and hearts will resonate a stronger feeling of trust and faith in you. We breathe in love deeply. And we exhale, releasing love. Let it go. Let God purify it into your highest and greatest good. Continue to breathe in love deeply. And exhale, releasing, letting love go. And letting it float out into the world. Sit in that, sp that spirit of love, breathing it in, letting it radiate deeply within your heart, mind, body, and letting that purified love be released out into the world. We walk by faith, not by sight. We walk by love, and we walk in oneness with God. And we thank you, God, for your mighty gift of love that loves us no matter what. This prayer is lifted up. This meditation is resonating in the consciousness of that Christ within. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. And so it is. And we let it be. Amen. And now let us go ahead and affirm our statement of being together. God is all. 
both invisible and visible, one presence, one mind, one power is all. This one that is all is perfect life, perfect love, and perfect substance. I am an individualized expression of God. I am ever one with this perfect life, perfect love, and perfect substance. And let's also affirm our growth affirmation with some gusto like we know it's working. Get some smiles on these faces <laughs> together. We give thanks for our expansive congregation that fills our halls, sanctuary, and classrooms with seekers and teachers of unity truth, fills our hearts with love and joy, and provides us with all of the necessary resources to co-create a loving and compassionate spirit-filled world. And yeah, I did see you walk in, Victoria. <laughs> My cousin's in town again from Tennessee.
Did anybody else identify with that song besides me? Thank you, thank you, thank you for that. Um, and this, the, the power for this month that we usually amplify and talk about or that re resonates with um, January is faith. And so when you say amen to every prayer, that's claiming that it is so right now. Amen. I'm going to be using that today. I'm going to say amen. <laughs> Not that that's anything new because I do it already. But that, that is a powerful thought. Hey there. It's a lot resonating in me today. We've been going through these parables. And uh, we're, we're, we still got a little bit, a few more parables to do. But the ones we've been doing these last couple weeks have been called the lost parables. And they're about... Um, the consciousness of being lost and found, but it's really about the consciousness of repentance. When we veer off path and we find ourselves back into God's presence by repentance. And there's uh, one thing that has been resonating inside of me deeply, 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 deeply. And that is each one of our lives is a parable. Each one of us is here to teach something by the way we're living our lives. Parables are stories about earthly experience and earthly life stories the things we experience in our life, but within it is a spiritual, um, uh, heavenly message. And all of us are walking heavenly messages of God. Amen? Amen. Y'all ain't say it like you know it. Amen? Amen. <laughs> Have you ever been through something deep in your life, or am I the only one? Yes? Amen? Amen? Have you ever known that it was God that brought you through something deep that you couldn't bring yourself through? Amen? Have you ever had a moment where you saw somebody else going through things that they're experiencing in their life, and you know God is working in there, and sometimes you have to be the one to hold it for them because you know that if you hold it for them, that will be the source that ignited in them. Amen? Amen. Well, we're in that space right now. We're in that space right now. I'm just going to share. Everybody's been asking me about how Roxanne is doing. Roxanne 
is doing okay. She didn't get the, the prognosis there, and we see you lo looking and watching, Roxanne. Everybody say, hi, Roxanne. Hi, Roxanne. <laughs> I always put y'all on the spot whether you're here or not. <laughs> what she wants us to know is that God is in control. God is guiding everyone's life. And to sit in a space when you think of her, see health, wholeness, and happiness, and see prosperity, divine health, and wholeness. Amen? Amen. And so I'll let her share the rest of her experience when she gets here um, but I know that God is working in her life just like God is working in each and every one of our lives. Amen? Amen? And some of us have had experiences even that we've walked through by ourselves that I might have known of, but, and I don't tell anybody's businesses, but that I might have known, but I know that you all resonate in a consciousness of love and light, perfect divine health and wholeness for each and every member of this church. Amen? Amen. So we're seeing that for her as well. So I'm just putting that out there so that if anybody asks, you know, to just pray for her health and wholeness. Okay, so let's move into this parable. We have already gone through the parable of the sheep, lost sheep and the parable of the lost coin, and now we are going into the parable of the lost son. And as we walked into these, these parables, we know that the reason Jesus shared these parables in the first place is because the Pharisees and the teachers of religious laws were complaining and criticizing the fact that he was around people who were sinners tax collectors and quote-unquote notorious sinners. Now, the reason why tax collectors were considered sinners is because the tax collectors were uh, Jewish people who were taking advantage of their own people for the sake of the Romans. And so they were, they were in charge of taking the taxes for the Romans, but they were charging more than the Romans uh, required in order for them to skim off the top and then pay the Romans what they want. So that's not being loving. So that's why they were clumped in with quote-unquote uh, other notorious sinners. The thing that we need to look at here is that sometimes we are the sinner who is obviously out of alignment in our actions of missing the mark. That's all it means is you're missing the mark. And then sometimes we're the ones judging the sinner. And in our, point, in our way of judging the sinner, which is the Pharisees and teachers of religious law, we are sinning ourselves. Does that make sense? Anytime you look at someone and compare someone as less than you, you are sinning. This story, which is in Luke chapter 15, verses 11 through 32, on the lost son, is the last story that Jesus uses to share his point, to, to prove his point that um, everyone has their moments of being lost, and that in those moments of being lost, God is always right there with us when we repent. That God does not turn God's back on us. Actually, God is a spiritual energy of love and light that does not have it in God to turn God's back on us because God is the presence of love and light within you. Amen? Amen? And so in this story, which is the third story, Jesus used different ways of, of uh, really driving home his point. He would use repetition. So here is a part of repetition. But he also used progression, so each story would progress upon and build upon the next one, which we learned when we were looking at the uh, parable of the mustard seed and then the parable of the yeast, the, yeast, the parable of the weed. Um, and that, those were progressions. This one is one as well. And then he also used exaggeration. So he might have said something like, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to get in the kingdom of heaven. That's a figure of speech to catch your attention, to see how attached rich people can be 
to their physical world and their physical possessions where it's too hard for them to let that go and in that moment they're lost. Does that make sense? Okay, so now we're moving into the, and any the other thing. The lost sheep represents those thoughts, those frivolous thoughts that veer us off and distract us from the, the way of God, the expression of God. And the beautiful thing that we connected the dots to with that one was that as Jesus was sharing that story, he said that the shepherd, which represents God, goes after that lost sheep, leaves the other 90, and if he has 100, he leaves 99 there, and he goes after that sheep. He carries the sheep home when he finds it happily. And we were saying, we were connecting that to the parable of the footprints, where when we get to a point where we've been veered off, we've ventured off, We've been distracted. We've gotten caught up in what's going on in our circumstances, gotten caught up in despair, gotten caught up in moments where we really can't feel like we can't do it in our, on our own, where we're so weak that God will carry you through. When there are layers of consciousness and you're trying to align them on your own, you can't. You can't. That's a spiritual expression that goes beyond you. You have to turn that over to God and let God do the work in you with the patience that it will happen and the excitement of what's the unknown. So I have this saying that I always use, to be, that we be patient with the process and enjoy the not knowing. Does that make sense? Because sometimes we don't want to turn it over because we don't know how it's going to turn out. There's no trust in God when you do that. So you get excited about it because you know that whatever God comes up with is going to be the most greatest thing that you could ever imagine, way beyond anything you've ever expanded or uh, could have experienced or can imagine could happen. Does that make sense? Okay. So that was the lost sheep. And then the coin, which was in the house being lost, represents those beliefs inside of your mind, frivolous beliefs that veer you away, beliefs that are out of alignment with God. I'm not good enough. If they're mad at me, they'll leave. Things that make you behave in a way or think about yourself in a way that is less than. Does that make sense? And then you, you, the one thing that mattered here was, number one, that you are worth fighting for, even for yourself. And number two, that you are, that God is always there. And the third thing, that even when you're lost, you are still valuable in the eyes of God. God created you in God's image and likeness, priceless in word, and, and beyond any type of um, expression of value. Just beyond it, in your own mind. And even when we're lost, we are still priceless gems, unique expressions of the infinite God. And we need to know that. Because in moments when we're lost, I know for me, and I'm learning more and more, I feel worthless. If I were to be honest with you all, I've had moments where I was so lost that I had thoughts of taking my life that I have tried. When I was 18, I felt that bad. And I, I promise you, God saved me so many times. I jumped in front of a bus. It's crazy. It was raining and windy. You remember days when it was raining and windy? The last couple of days it was so windy, it would knock over trees and stuff. My, your car would swerve, whatever. It pushed me out of the way. Not to be on the other side of a wall that, that separated a parking lot from a street. It's on Greenfield between Grand River and Finkel. And I jumped, and I got blown back. 
I only weighed about 99 pounds back then, so it was easy to blow me back. <clears throat> and I hit the ground so hard, a rainstorm, that it knocked the wind out of me. I could hear the bus stop. I could hear them come off. It was like I was like, like kind of out of it. Did you see that? I could hear them saying it. But I'm on the ground on the other side. I hit my head. I'm kind of knocked out a little bit. Now I'm asking, why would you save me? I'm not worthy of being saved. I felt lost in that moment. Because every single time I messed up, I thought I needed some type of punishment. But this time, I, and it wasn't even anything big. You know, when you're a teenager, that's the most that you've experienced at that moment. So for you, it's the worst thing in the world. For you, it's the biggest thing in the world. For you, it's so intense. Until you live a little bit more of your life, and you realize it really isn't that intense. But as a teenager, everything is big. Every mistake is big. When people don't like you, it's big. And that's how big it was for me. When I got up, I wandered over to my girlfriend's house. Took her a minute, her mother a minute, to convince her to call my mother. And I've had other experiences since then where I've had to go to therapy because I had that low feeling where I was, had that lost belief that I was not worthy. Inside of my own mind, which is the lost coin in the house, and I have searched that thought, and I've worked with that thought, and, I've, um, and I'm continuing to work with that thought, because sometimes the residual feeling may come, even though the belief isn't there anymore. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. And so I'm working on that. But the beautiful thing is God meets you wherever you are. You may have had your moments of your low times in your life. And the reason why it was so hard to find your way out was because the one that helped you find your way out was the greatest part of you that's waiting there for you to tune into it. Here we have this lost son, the pro, 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 uh, parable of the lost son. And I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'm just going to go into highlights. And, and you can read it. I suggest you read it. It is, um, like I said, Luke chapter 15, 11 through 32. It says the father has two. That says the lost coin. You meant the lost son. It says the father has two sons. And the youngest son comes to him and says, I want my inheritance right now before you pass away. And he get, his father gives him his inheritance. And after a couple days, he goes out young. Remember, young and immature. Teenager. Squanders all his money away. And by, at the same time he's, his money's getting squandered, he uh, spends his last, the country goes into a famine where he has wandered off. It says he wandered off into a, um, let's see, he wandered off into a distant land, and there he wasted his money in the wild living. About that time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land, and, began, and he began to starve. Now, the interesting thing is, when we're at our lowest, we tend to find other people who are at their lowest, too, to help us out. That's like the blind leading the blind, down a blind rope. <laughs> but that's what we normally do. Because those people who we've helped, you ever had a relationship that was not a win-win because you were the one giving into it, and then when you couldn't give, they weren't there for you? This is where he is. He's in this circumstance. And while he's there, now this is a Jewish, man, Jewish young man, 
The only person who, who is able to help, who decides to help him, is someone who decides, you can work on my farm around some pigs. Now, he was Jewish. Jewish people call pig, consider, consider big pigs to be unclean. Now, you know he's desperate to be working with some unclean animals in his tradition, his culture, and then gets to the point where he's looking at the food he's feeding them and, and getting like a desire for it. That's how low he is. And in that lowest moment, it says he comes to himself and realizes, even in my father's house, the slaves have better to eat and food left over. I'm going to tell my father that I've sinned against heaven and you. And I'm going to come back to my father. I'm not worthy to be his son anymore. I know that feeling so deeply. I'll ask him to be a servant. I'm going to go back home. This story shows how when we get exalted, you can be humbled in that moment, especially in our immaturity. You go out there thinking you know everything when you really don't. And then you lose everything and you become humbled. And now you have to apologize and come back. Because that's the only way to truly reconcile a relationship with another person is to admit where you were wrong. To forgive yourself first and then step out there and ask for forgiveness from the other person. Admit where you were wrong and then start from that place to reconcile the relationship. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Now this is on this level. And imagine a teenager thinking about doing this. Like for real. When you were a teenager, if you have teenagers, that's not easy for a teenager to humble themselves. They're just now trying to get their own understanding of their life. And they realize they make a mistake, and there may be a nervousness that their mother or their father may criticize. But they get the courage up to come say something. That's not easy. That's courageous to come and apologize and ask for help. And, and, and even to the point of saying, I know I messed up, and I'm not even worthy of being your son or your daughter anymore. But can I work for you somehow and make it back, make it up? Now, he is walking up the road. His father sees him. I venture to guess that his father didn't just happen to see him, that his father kept walking and paying attention to see if his son was coming back. And runs out to his child grabs his child, hugs his child. Now he's practiced what he's going to say all the way he's practiced. When he starts to say, Father, I am not worthy. I've sinned against you, heaven and you. And his father grabs him, doesn't even let him complete the sentence. Has a robe brought to him. He's all dirty and stinky. Puts a ring on him, changes his clothes and puts some shoes on his, nice shoes on his feet. Gets the fatted cow, the fatted calf, and has that. Now that's some sweet business, a fatted calf. They, this is what they kept for, some nice, for a nice feast. We already talked about the wedding feast, the parable of the wedding feast. This was the calf they used. They get it nice and juicy and fatted up, using it to celebrate him coming back. Can you imagine how shocked this son, this teenage son, who for the first time has had this type of a relation, this type of conflict with his father, how he must have felt being received in 
and be re re being reestablished and realizing that that position was never lost as the son of that father. And then going in and celebrating. Now the older brother comes up and hears all the celebration and asks, what happened? What's going on? The servant says, your brother's back. They're celebrating. We, we just cut the fatty cow. We're having to. He's like, what the what? He left and squandered everything on prostitutes and reckless living. And what? I've been here and didn't do anything against what my father said. And he's being celebrated and not me? How many times have we been in that situation? Well, we didn't get the credit we thought we should have gotten due, but somebody else got the credit. Like, think about it. And especially between siblings. That's a big thing between siblings. And he doesn't even go in. Oh, he's going to protest. He's not going into the party. He's going to stay out and sulk. But the father came out and met him, too. Remember, the younger son was running up. The father ran out to him. The father came out to the older son, too, and said, your son was lost. It's right that we celebrate. I mean, your brother was lost. And he doesn't even say it's his brother. He says that I did all this stuff for you, and this son of yours who squandered, he's disowning his own brother, caught up in human consciousness and judgment and self-righteousness. Jesus found a perfect way to show the difference between those who are sinners and those who are Pharisees and teachers of religious law and connecting the fact that God loves all, everybody the same way because he treated them, the ones who were coming and listening to his stories, the same way he treated the Pharisees, with love, with compassion, with empathy and understanding. And it demonstrates a couple things here when you look at this. It demonstrates the power. He's showing the power of a, the, the, the powerful loving and forgiveness of a father. But when you go higher than that, he's showing the powerful love and forgiveness of God that never leaves you. And the other thing is, it's not that God comes out to meet you. God's already there meeting you in the situation. You just see it when you have the eyes to see it. Does that make sense? You see God coming in when, when you have the eyes to see, but God's already there with you because God is one with you. And we give God permission to work in our life. And when we see that we can't do it, God's already there to be the strength in our weakness when we say help. The, fair, the, the, the religious leader, uh, the um, sinners and the tax collectors had gotten to that place where they realized they had wandered away and they came for help. They saw in Jesus that not only the, 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 the stories, but the living principle of the truth of those stories. Because he was a walking parable too. Jesus still is a walking parable. And they saw and were, and he radiated love and they wanted to come around that so they can learn how to be more of an expression of the reestablished sons and daughters that they are. There's one thing I notice here in this story. We see the son who wandered away, the younger son, reconciling and apologizing and being re brought back in the fold. But it's a cliffhanger with an older brother. We don't see what happened with the older brother if he went in or not. 
He's leaving that open to the Pharisees and teachers of religious law. What are you going to do? Are you going to celebrate these people who I'm teaching and help teach them with me? Are you going to walk in your own judgment of separation, thinking that God will not forgive them the way God will forgive you? He's opening the door for them to take that story and become part of that story and put themselves in that story. And they have a choice there. And I'm asking you all, you have, we all have a choice where we may be judging. We've accepted, we've forgiven, we've moved into being reestablished in our heart, mind, and with God. But have we allowed others to do the same without our judgment? I'm going to make this real, 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 real. Because I've been... Uh, and sometimes I, I get uncomfortable with certain subjects to talk about. Because we're going into Black History Month. And the reason why we have Black History Month is because there are many, 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 many black people who have helped the culture and established the improvement of this United States who have not been acknowledged. That black and brown people are not acknowledged at all. So we fought for some kind of acknowledgement, and that's a month. But even we had to fight for that type of acknowledgement because there is that judgment that we are less than as black and brown people. There's this judgment that we are uncivilized and not worthy to be forgiven or loved. That we've wandered away like that younger son. And there's this judgment in the consciousness that's created the way the system is that has his knee on our neck still. And that's just the truth. And even those of us who are black and brown who are judging the system, we're still the Pharisee. You cannot change the system with judgment. You have to have that, take that choice that's lingering out there for that older brother and step into a deep space of love, of acceptance, of oneness. And as John Lewis says, go into some good trouble with nonviolent protest. The most powerful nonviolent protest is to put people in the hands of God, to step in a space of love, to shift your way of thinking and be around more people who shift their way of thinking and share your way of thinking to other people so that you have a collective. And as you have that collective, those are the hearts that go to vote. Those are the hearts that go to the government. Those are the hearts that walk around to shift civilization. Does that make sense? So we could be the younger son, or we could be the older son. It doesn't matter which thing, because we shift back and forth. The truth is, Whichever space we stay in, God is still there with us, guiding us back into being the Son. The Bible says God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. The only begotten Son, when you look at it on a spiritual level, is the Christ in you. That's the only begotten Son. And when we all walk in this world as if we are that Christ, which is the oneness of God in us all, can you imagine what this world would be like? The robe that was put on the young man when he came up 
was a shift in consciousness into a higher awareness because it represents royalty. Coming into understanding and a re recognizing and a realization of who you are on a higher vibration. The ring that's put on his finger because the, his father said put a ring on his finger. The ring represents divine love, stepping into an expression of divine love. He said, put the fat sandals on his feet. Go take, he's walking around with dirty feet, but he put sandals on his feet. Sandals represent clothing yourself in a spiritual understanding. And then they kept the, they, they, they used the fatted calf. The fatted calf represents the riches that you walk into when you shift and become an expression of the child of God that you are. You remember it and you come to the awareness of it. And you may go and you may apologize and you may repent with God. But until you truly walk into it, go into the house and celebrate, you've not truly owned it for yourself. I challenge us all to find those areas, not just in, our, in, in, in someone else, but in ourselves, where we're being one or the other son. Release self-judgment, self-condemnation, release self-righteousness and other condemnation, step in a deep space of love and know that no matter what, the same God that dwells in you, loves you, forgives you, does the same for everyone else. Does that make sense? So instead of seeing others in the eyes of judgment, let's see others in the eyes of forgiveness. Let's celebrate for them that they will find their way home. Let's celebrate for them that even if they don't see it in this now moment, they're just in a state of spiritual immaturity, and they'll find their way there. And when they find their way there, we'll celebrate it with them. I saw this, um, this uh, story, and I can't remember where it was, where these people were, uh, these, these teenagers were running a marathon, and one of the persons was tired. They all made it, and they didn't win because the last person was late. But he f finally was coming, and he was coming. He was coming. His team was celebrated. His team was celebrated. And not only was his team celebrated, he was the last one. Everybody was celebrating and celebrating. And he made it. He got there. He got there. And he crossed over. And everybody celebrated his win. Even the ones who won celebrated his win. Because that one made it over the threshold just like everybody else. Let's celebrate everybody else's wins. Let's see and celebrate the fact that this United States is shifting from being the one that is lost and moving back into the fold of the consciousness that we are diverse, that we're equal, and that there's justice out there, and we're being in a state where it's be we're treating each other that same way. And when you see someone not doing it, Celebrate that they will get to that state and see them doing it now. So that when we go into celebrating Black History Month, that it won't end after February. We'll continue to celebrate our History Month in a new diverse way of seeing. It's no mistake we walked into this consciousness of these values of we are diverse, we are welcome, we are loving. We are spirit-filled, we are empowering. When I first came here, it was maturity white. You look around this place now, it's diverse. We're living it here, it can be lived in the United States. 
We are an example that it can be done here, it can be done in the United States. But we have to be the heart that does it. We have to shift and heal those sons inside of us. We have to let go of feeling that we are not worthy of it and know that we are. And we have to let go of feeling that no one else is worthy of it and no one else is less than me and know that we're all children of God, which is different. No one's better. Now, you may be better at a task or a skill, but you aren't better as a human being. Everyone is equal in God's eyes. Amen? Amen. That's it. I'm done. Thank you. I love you. Ladies and gentlemen, I have a question for you. Do you believe in love? Yes. I'm going to ask you one more time. Do you believe in love? Yes. Well, all right. Well, go for it. Share it for the world, for everyone to see. Take away the darkness, all the pain, sadness. I know it's you that put this light inside of me, and I believe in a faith that's strong, and I believe in a hope that carries on, and I believe in these things and more. Most of all. Of all, I believe in love. And if I had the strength to move a mountain, would you I'd be amazed by all of my abilities? I guess it would not mean much if I didn't have love. And this is what I really want you all to see. And I believe in that's wrong and I believe in a hope that carries on and I believe in these things and more most of all most of all I believe in love I believe in love oh I believe in love Most of all, most of all, I believe in love. Oh, 
guess that's how it is when I say I'm done. <laughs> I got an example to believe in, don't I? <laughs> Let's uh, bring to mind, gently close your eyes and bring to mind what you feel led to give to Unity of Farmington Hills for a love offering for today. Take a deep breath and breathe into the consciousness of prosperity, abundance, and all that is good. And let's go ahead and affirm our love offering blessing together. Divine love through me blesses and multiplies all that I have, all that I give, and all that I receive. Thank you, God. Amen. Now, um, I wanted to share with you that we still have our capital campaign going on for renovations in the church. We're up to $10,700 right now, which is pretty good. Our goal, our goal is $50,000 so we can work on the floors and the doors and other things that we need to change. I want to, we need to change this lighting in here, too. So anyway, um, it is also birthday Sunday. So I want, oh, you got the, you got the thing. She, uh, Eileen has our little thermometer that we're going to have not posted. Yeah, isn't that cool? So we can thank you, Eileen. And today is birthday Sunday, so those of you who have birthdays in December and January, would you stand? Nobody? Okay. I was about to say. So we're going to sing to you together. Happy birthday. Also, we have the, uh, what else was I going to say, Howard? I said that, the capital campaign, the birthday. Was that it? I think that was it. Let's stand so we can go ahead and do our prayer for protection. I love having my husband around. He helps me stand. I love it, love it, love it. <laughs> and he hates it, hates it, hates it, because he's shy and I always put him on the spot. <laughs> Let's go ahead and affirm our prayer for protection together. The light of God surrounds us. The love of God enfolds us. The power of God protects us. The presence of God watches over us. Wherever we are, God is, and all is well. Thank you for listening to this Unity of Farmington Hills podcast. We hope this has encouraged you, inspired you, and uplifted you. 
If you are unable to attend our Sunday gatherings but would still like to support our spiritual community, visit our giving page, unityfh.com donate.